If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to XYZ, the podcast about CNC, automation, robotics, business, and more. My name is Nick Frank. I'm one of the owners of Frank Brothers Guitar Company, and I'm joined by my co-host, Aaron Goff of Goff Custom Knives. Lovely to be here. Lovely for you to have me, as always. Oh, well, you know what? Anytime. (laughs) All right. I mean, we're going to be flying a little... uh, Lucy goosey this week because I don't think either of us has really had time to like sit down and write things down. You know, I put some notes in the in the uh, the podcast notes. Oh, look at you showing me up. I'll just do all the talking. You can That's... shut the fuck up <laughs> for once. <laughs> How was your week? Yeah, it's been good. It's flying by. Yeah, it's good. Um, we it's been a little scattered between you know just regular work and. Uh, continual shop improvements, mm. mm-hmm. and uh, it's looking pretty tight. I mean, nice. I feel like I've started every podcast for the past three or four podcasts with this, but um, we uh, we have been working on um, a sort of demo corner mm. slash uh, showroom corner of the shop. So we cool. did a, we built a slat wall. Um, so it's just like we, we painted the wall black and then we put these vertical, these, uh, tinted or stained vertical strips of wood up, but like, I don't know, 70 or 80, a hundred of them. Right. And knowing you guys, they probably went two by twos. Uh, well actually Tim cheaped out. I'm going to blame Tim. He cheaped out and bought pretty shitty lumber, (laughs) but they were two bucks a pop versus $8 for like nice clear stuff right i wish we had spent the eight bucks to be honest but it's probably the smart thing to do um it's just gonna be you know background for video and photo you know people Mm. will see it when they come in but most people they're they're there to look at the guitars they don't you know they're not gonna look at the the knots in the wood right uh on the slat wall but i mean that's that would have been 600 bucks at least of lumber if you'd gone with the fancy stuff yeah, yeah, exactly. So we we did it on the cheap and it looks good. So uh, <laughs> you know we get when we take photos, we try to get that that rich, creamy bokeh. Um, you know, where you like the background is faded, right, or or out of focus. I, apparently, so Soda, who works here, is Japanese. He speaks Japanese too, and mm-hmm. um, he said bokeh is actually a Japanese word. He pronounced oh. it properly, and it means out of focus. <laughs> there you go, perfect. So, which makes sense. What well, I don't know what they what the Japanese know about making camera about cameras or anything though, oh. about photography. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. So many of the good lens companies are Japanese. Pretty much all of them, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. Well, I guess German too. Yes. Yeah, like Zeiss. Yeah, 
but like most of the like the the best the camera companies for the most part are are japanese mm-hmm. um but yeah we have a fuji it's a pretty pretty sweet camera fancy i've actually been doing workshop improvements as well the I know. Um, yeah, it it came out really nice. It it was like two weeks of just solid. Everything is a disaster in the shop. Um, but yeah, I built my. That's how tiny, it goes. Yeah, yeah, like you have to destroy your place to make so it we better. Here, yeah, we'll just keep shifting the the mess around. Yeah, but how's it looking in your space? Fantastic, looks really nice. I put up more shelving on the walls. Um, that's not really something I've done previously, and but this time around, I'm going all in on it. I mean, I've got the equivalent of like one, at least one entire wall of my shop, like covered in, in shelving. Right. Um, like two, two levels of shelving. I'm adding more, uh, in my grinding room. I'm going to add another, uh, eight feet of, well, two layers of eight foot long shelving. Um, it's just nice to have room to like, you don't have to like, you know, you've got a box with some stuff in it. that's going to be useful at some point. Rather than just like you know, cramming it under a bench or something, you can like label it and put it on a shelf. Oh yeah, we're we're addicted to shelving here. We just keep buying or wanting to buy more shelves because if you have the more shelves you have, the more sparing you can be. With mm. you know, you don't just like cram everything onto shelves, right? Uh, onto like a few shelves, you you can space it out and it's just more organized and tidy. Mm-hmm. I did also spend some time organizing my collection of like aluminum stock and offcuts and steel and and stuff so now if i want to like just quickly grab a piece to make something i can just i stood everything up on its side so i don't have to like dig through a pile of you know 50 pounds of aluminum i can just grab one piece out which is really that's that's smart yeah um do you do you have a lot of just random scrap uh it's not really scrap it's not really scrap it's like i guess it is i mean i buy like you know I do some project. I buy three pieces when I only need two because I assume I'm going to screw something up and then I don't screw up. So I just have an extra bit. Right. Yeah, I've got a fair bit. I would say I've got at least like a couple of hundred pounds of aluminum. Okay. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's useful. You know, like it's, especially when I move out to the country, I think it's going to be something that I use more, you know, because it's like, it, it's yeah. there. I have it rather than having to like drive two hours to the, Right, right. Senior. I mean, it's like it's it's so hard to throw scrap scrap away because you know eventually one day you'll be like, thank God I have this. Yeah, but we are probably over... like the day right after. Yeah, exactly. It always is like that. We're overwhelmed with uh, with wood scrap, mm. um, and so a lot of it's nice. It's good, uh, big stuff, but it's just too small. Like you know, if we buy yeah, right. an, an eight foot stick of lumber and there's a check in it, um, you know, we only get. Um, six usable feet so you've got like you know this off cut that's quite nice so i had a guitar maker stop by the other day and he was saying that we should just put up on kijiji fill a bucket Mm. or a a garbage pail with it put it up Mm -hmm. on kijiji for 20 bucks say anybody who wants this come and get it (laughs) yeah 20 bucks for the whole pail sounds cheap yeah honestly it goes in the dumpster so I mean, right. maybe we could get more for it, but, um, you know, we can write it off, mm. but what that involves like doing a board foot calculation and, and um, noting it <laughs> just, yeah, right. It might be worth 20 bucks 
um, to not have to do that. I don't know. Talk to my accountant yeah. about it. Be a money for the shop. Yeah, it's nice to have a little bit of petty cash. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So how's the... Okay, so recap. <laughs> You're starting a new job. You've been building a uh, quiet box. Yeah, tiny office. Tiny I'm office. calling it a tiny office. The, the tiny everyone office on movement. Instagram, like everyone else on Instagram that has like a shop was like, oh man, I need one of those. Honestly, the reaction to it was really strong. I was kind yeah. of surprised. It, it, I'm actually surprised how much you like packed in or like how small it actually turned out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's not very big. It's only, it's four feet wide and 40 inches deep. Wow. Yeah. we That's the, ex, that's the, the external dimensions. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we actually could use one of those. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> honestly, it's fucking hard to take a call. Yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah. I'm Stop gluing all your it. scrap wood together. <laughs> <laughs> Build it up into a pile. Yours yeah, looks I, nice, though. Yeah, I saw I mean, photos. I, I, yeah, I so saw, you know, I did build it out of scrap that I like salvaged from the, the dumpster, basically. But I spent some money on like, I bought new carpet and I carpeted the walls and stuff on the inside to reduce reflections. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought some LED strip lights. Um, so like really low profile. So they're not going to take up room inside there, but, you know, put out lots of light. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent money on like weather stripping and stuff to really seal the door up nice and tight. Um, and some magnets to hold the thing closed and, and paint, you know, and cause I'm going to spend a lot of time in there. Like, yeah. Yeah, you had a little plant in there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, a plastic plant, but still. I yeah, I kill real plants so quickly. You have so many though. Yeah, my that's my girlfriend that looks after them. She can she has a green thumb. I have like she left me in charge of the yeah, she left me in charge of the plants for like three weeks once she came back and like half of them were dead. Oh no. (laughs) I tried my best, man, but it just didn't didn't work. It's hard enough just keeping yourself alive. Yeah, exactly. And two pets and everything as well. She should oh, yeah. have been glad any of them were still alive. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing the, the plants were the ones that yeah, exactly. passed on. That's where I put my focus, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it I'm I'm super stoked with the way that the shop has come out. Like I even just spent a little bit of time like cleaning all the benches with like a magic eraser, getting them oh, actually yeah. white again, you know. Oh, my wife um, is obsessed with magic erasers. Oh dude, they're so good. You know what it is, right? Have we talked about this? Yeah, it's a melamine sponge. Yeah, isn't that fucked? Yeah, it's cool. It's 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 basically like a really soft abrasive. They're, yeah, they're great. Um, well, that's good. I'm I'm stoked. We should do um, uh, we should tour each other's shops. Yeah, sure. We could we could uh, cram into my little tiny office and record an episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a sounds like a just a non super spreader event, a mi- micro spreader event. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's good. I so I started the new job this week. Um, oh, which cool! Has been great. Yeah, everyone there is lovely so far. Um, I'm still kind of in the process of splitting up, but things are going well. Okay, um, so what was it like um, working out of the office then? It was totally right. fine. Yeah. Okay. And were you? Did you run parts? Can you say? Can you say? Yeah, yeah, I can days? because I'm not doing it on company time. Like you know, I get there early. I start the machines, and then they can just run over the course of the day, right? Right. Um, and then you take your, work, your break, your like lunch break. And yeah, I can just like check on stuff. I don't I don't really need to. Most of the stuff, I only get two cycles a day anyway. And I'll do one in the morning and then one at night before I leave. So, you know, half the time that's, it's lights out. 
fucking smart, dude. Um, yeah. So, you know, finish, finish the, the day job and then I'm already at the shop so I can spend the next hour or whatever working on stuff. And I did that this afternoon. I did that, uh, Monday afternoon. So yeah, just very chill. Um, I am battling a really annoying problem with my fixtures at the moment. It's been happening for a while, but I feel like it's getting worse. Um, which is for some reason it's distorting the blade at the edge on the second operation, um, like the second beveling operation. Right. So it's already, it's the first operation you kind of like window machine the bevel. No, this is my old process. So I'm like, I'm, you know, first operation. Okay. So I, I said second operation. I actually mean like second side of the bevel. Um, it's actually the fifth operation. Okay. So first operation is like cutting. You start with a rectangular blank, cut the inside of the handle, like the weight reductions, and then the <clears throat> the pinholes that are used mm-hmm. as locating feature going on. Second and third ops are cutting the edge side of the profile and the spine side of the profile. So after those two, you end up with something that looks like a knife, but it's not sharp. It's just like a you know, flat bit of steel. Okay. And then op four is the first side of the bevel. Op five is the second side of the bevel. So op five is, you know, always going to be the the fussiest part because you're having to clamp on the edge of the blade, which is only 16th out thick. Mm. Um, and I found an experience from the past that like, um, you know, so I have two pit bulls on pit bull clamps on the spine side of, the, the blade pushing the edge against um, a hardened steel wear plate that's uh, cut out to the exact same shape as, as the blade, as the edge of the blade. Um, and the, the pit bull that's near the tip, it, I used to shot, I used to tighten that down with an impact wrench, but that was creating like those little pit bulls can create like 2000 pounds of force, oh, yeah. you know, and I'm sure it's probably more than that when you're, you know, being me and using an impact wrench on them. Um, and I found it was distorting the the blade. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why, but a couple of months ago, all of a sudden I started getting uh, the blade distorting in another spot. So like uh, kind of in the straight section of the blade nearer to the handle, a bit of that was getting kind of pushed up, um, which means that it gets machined thinner than it should. And it, ends up being irregular. So rather than having like a nice straight edge, you get this like wobbly edge section. But like sometimes it's totally fine. Sometimes it's like scrapping the knife bad. And I've been trying to work out what the hell is going on. I modified one of the fixtures the other day and that didn't change anything. (laughs) Um, So I just, tonight I tried, I'm trying to do a run tonight. So it's literally running while we're recording this. Um, where I didn't use the impact wrench on any of the pit bulls. I just like hand tightened them instead. You know, maybe it's just I'm using too much force. Right. Um, where did you, did you try and, and kind of just put enough pressure on or did you just turn it until it felt like? Until oh, I didn't turn it anymore. Yeah, I did it to good and tight by hand, which I mean, okay. I'm only using like, a, this wasn't like using an Allen key. I'm using like a, a screwdriver style uh, hex hex driver. Right, right, right. Um, so you can't, and, you can't torque it that hard. Yeah, it's a lot less torque than <laughs> than my impact driver, that's for sure. 
Um, but yeah, I don't know. I one of the things I really want to do this year is, you know, having the day job should give me the financial space to just stop production for a little while. Um, because to sort some to sort a problem out. Exactly. Yeah. I I the these fixtures that I'm using right now have treated me very well. I've been using them for like six years, basically unmodified. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not the right solution anymore. Right. You know, um, we've talked about this a couple of times uh, in in relation to like the kitchen knife and and maybe wire EDM. But like, basically, what I want to do is start with a hard, a fully hardened rectangle of steel. Uh, op one is uh, cutting the top, like doing a facing operation to cut the top to a, a known height and then machine all of the 3D features of the blade in on, on that side, but not like cut it out or anything. Right. Um, and I'd also machine uh, dowel hole locations outside of the, the knife blade, um, you know, in two opposite corners or something. And then op two, flip it located on those uh, holes and then clamp down, not inward, clamp down over the, over, you know, as right. much of the steel as you can then machine all of the second side of the, the blade, like 3d features. And then previously I thought, okay, you know, it'd be sweet to like have something you so you'd be machining through to expose like bolt holes underneath like the handle area and then have like the machine pick up screws or something and bolt the handle down. And then I just realized I was being like stupid. This is overcomplicating it. I can just have an op three, you know, so op two, I, I'm like, machine all the 3d features but i'm not cutting the blade out and then op three i bolt uh again locating on those holes i bolt through the handle uh to hold the the handle down and then start cutting out the profile but i've actually had really good luck with leaving the edge intact because the edge is very thin but it serves as an anchor for the spine of the blade while you're machining it Mm. so machine all around the spine get that nice and you know get a nice finish on it and then cut along the edge in a single pass. Um, and because you're cutting th- all the way through the material in one shot, the material that's left just in front of the cut supports the material that you're cutting away. So it's actually like a really nice quiet operation. It worked really well. And that's like um, a slot. You're, you're yeah, you basically just do slot, you know, so you're cutting through 10 thou of, or, you know, 16 thou of hardened steel in mm-hmm. one shot. Um, and I did that with the, with the kitchen knife and it it works great. So yeah, I just, you know, I've got all these pieces of this process. I just need to put them together. Um, and one of the most important bits is that the, the fixtures will have a station for the kitchen knife and a station for the resolute for my hunting knife on the same plate. And will you run those like uh, a kitchen knife and a hunting knife in one knob or sorry, one yeah. One cycle. Right. Yeah. Cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Every day. Cool. Do you think um, that you'll have equal demand? Cause I mean, the resolute's been out for a long time. It's, it's a known product. Well, I'll be releasing the Mark four of the resolute that, that will be like one of the things that I've been kind of lining up to make this happen is like in order to make that machining process happen, I have to have a little bit more steel. Like it needs to be a bit wider, um, but it doesn't need to be as accurate in terms of like thickness or anything, which opens up um, other types of steel for me to use, which is something I wanted to do anyway. 
sorry, I'm going to be making the transition to stainless steel and to some other stuff as part of the Mark IV. Right. So I'll have released the Mark IV and the kitchen knife at the same time. Um, yeah, I think it'll be. I think it'll be equal. I think it'll be one to one. Cool, sweet. Fingers crossed. I can I'd always like just run it. part of the fixture if I need to. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, that's sweet. Yeah, I want a. I want a kitchen knife. Yeah, you do. They're gonna be. I. I mean, I don't even have a fully finished prototype for myself yet. I. I literally have a um a blade a production prototype of the blade with no handles <laughs> oh, really? in my kitchen yeah, yeah. that I've been using for months. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, it works great though. It, I mean, it just needs to be a bit thinner at the edge. And that was the issue with my previous fixtures is that like the kitchen knife, I'm trying to take it down to only about 5,000 of an inch thick at the edge. Wow. Um, and the, the steel just gets out of the way, you know, like the, yeah. the end mill comes in to try and cut over. it. It just, well, it doesn't even bend. It just flexes. You know, it, it pops right back after this, the end mill goes away, oh. but it just means you end up with an edge that's 10 thousandths of an inch thick rather than five. So, yeah, so I'm going to be like 3D machining um, kind of like a backing plate on the underside of that that fixture for that operation that basically I'll have like an aluminum um, shaped um, component in the fixture that will completely touch the backside of the blade to provide it with support so it can't flex out of the way. And then hopefully I should be good. Okay. Well, that's sweet. So you're going to start working on new fixtures. Yes. New fixtures, new, there's a lot of new, new, new happening at the moment. Yeah. Uh, we are going to be working on some new fixtures as well to Ooh. start bringing our tailpieces in house. Yes. So yeah, we talked about this a, a little bit last episode, but you've mm-hmm. been working on it, I guess? Yeah, mostly still conceptualizing, but we're going to actually start making some some progress, like physical progress this weekend. Awesome. Uh, which I'm excited about. It's it's a stupid part to, like it was <laughs> poorly, poorly designed for manufacturing. Mm. Are you going to do any redesign of it then? Like a little bit um, there's there okay so one thing like i i there was a redesign idea that i brought forward that got um vetoed <laughs> so i won't even go into that but um it's it's sort of like a bent piece it's a strap this, this yeah. one piece that's a strap that sort of straps to the back of the guitar and then it's like a 90 degree angle almost it's not quite mm-hmm. it's, it's um we're actually going to start. This is Mark's idea. It was clever. Before we've been machining this out of one piece and then bending, like Mark's yep. been making them, bending the strap to nine to not ninety degrees, but I'll just say ninety degrees. Sure. Yeah, it's kind of a gentle curve. It's not like a yeah. sharp ninety. Yeah. So, um, we f- we're actually going to start machining them out of uh, brass angle um, mm. stock. Okay. So it's already got the angle in it. It's a quarter inch uh, wall thickness. Mm. So we can actually machine the angle into that. So it's like, it's 90 degrees, but it's not 90 degrees. It's actually like, there's this, there's like, it's, it's kind of kicked out seven degrees. Right. um, From 90. So we're going to actually machine that angle into the, the 90 degree um, L or, uh, 
right angle bracket material. What do you call this? It's like, I, I, yeah. I, I kind of want to call it uh, angle iron, but it's not iron, iron, it's brass. Angle brass. Angle brass. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the um, bending operation seemed like it'd be pretty quick and, and it would make your fixturing really easy. Like, how come the, the move? Because um, the, the, the guitar, the, where this interacts with the, the bracket mm-hmm. is curved. And when you bend it, you have a flat. Mm. Um, gotcha. So it, it's, it almost makes more sense to machine it from, I don't know. It just saves an operation too. Right. Are you still going to be making this out of brass or is it going to be aluminum now? Or It's, br- it's going to be brass still. Um, I was going to say you could do it the whole thing because I, I know this assembly. It has like the main body of the tailpiece and then there are two like um, pieces of one-eighth rod stock that yeah. connect the body of the tailpiece to kind of the butt of the tailpiece, I guess. We could, in- we call it the, um, the the string block is the part where the string, string block. fastens to. Mm-hmm. Then there's the, the, the rods and mm-hmm. then there's the strap is what we call it. That's the angled angled bracket basically well have you thought about doing it out of billet it could be billet everyone loves that word just one one block of aluminum (laughs) well move 95 percent of it that was mark mark did talk about thinking about doing that but you wouldn't be able to have the same you know the rod is a nice design feature yeah you could do it around bars sure um (laughs) yeah but okay yeah not impossible (laughs) but okay so i looked at just getting okay so i looked at just making the the strap part out of like one inch by two inch Mm -hmm. um, brass and it's three times the price right to buy right so it's the material if it was aluminum yeah maybe but it's not (laughs) yeah i get that so we're just you know but this is the the, we're our introduction into manufacturing these parts on our machine we're gonna we're sort of trying not to change too much yeah um we just want to get it done because we have orders for these things we need to fucking make them honestly if that's the case i would say start with the exact same process that you already have like you know bend bend the strap that you know there's i don't know if there's much of a reason to reinvent the wheel on the design as well as the process at the same time I mean, we're, we're having to redesign it for, you know, like it's, it's being like, we're redoing the fixturing. Cause right now it's done on Mark's like gantry, like CNC router with like a yeah. DeWalt um, <laughs> right. spindle. Yeah. Which is crazy that he's been making. Yeah. It. He's a wizard. Um, yeah. And, uh, but it's so much work yeah, for him yeah. to do it. So, you know, there's, there, we have to sort of, we can't just recycle everything that you know he was using like we can't just take his fixtures and put them on this machine we have to know every, sure. everything from scratch so there's it's an opportunity to change some stuff that we want right. to change so i think we can improve it in you know we're gonna buy some of this angle brass we're not committed to the idea but you know we keep talking about just oh let's just maybe we should just do it the way we were doing it before right but it's also exciting to try to experiment and and, oh yeah, of course. Create some efficiency when we're we're having to sort of start this process not from scratch, but um, almost <laughs> in a way. So, uh, is that brass coming from McMaster? Yeah, 
<laughs> for now, of course for now. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's just easy, easy to 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 buy it from McMaster for in this instance. Honestly, once- like you can buy small quantities, you get it the next day. You know, like yeah, I, I totally get it. It's I that's so the pricing I got for the solid, like if we were to machine this not out of this um, angle brass, but out of <laughs> solid brass. Yeah. That pricing came from McMaster. I wonder if it wouldn't be so outrageous if I reached out to a brass supplier. But again, it'd be worth be, asking. Yeah. But we wouldn't be buying massive quantities of it. Um, yeah. You know, it, it would be worth asking for sure. And I mean, yeah. yeah. I really do think we should probably just make it out of aluminum. Does I, aluminum it, plate well? Um, I think it depends on the plating process. I think it's a bit fussier than brass. Right. Maybe maybe a listener can can tell us their experience. Um, we had stainless steel plated recently. It looked great. Oh, yeah? Nice. What did, what was it plated with? Nickel? Yep. Oh, okay. You'll have to tell me who Copper your person was for that. Nickel. It was the same the people I've been talking about, the the people who do gold. Um right. They're called quality plating in Scarborough. Okay. How much was have you had any stuff gold plated? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you getting tail pieces gold plated or we have, yeah. Had a had a tail piece gold plated, had a different different part, a few different parts gold plated. What's the what's the ballpark on the uh, gold plating for something like that. So, okay, for our tailpiece, mm-hmm. um, they have a minimum. I mean, these are our prices, so um, we, sure. we sort of negotiated and worked with them on on it. But um, I'll just say the pricing because whatever. Our tailpiece, it's fifteen bucks to get it plated. Whoa, that's very reasonable. I know, with a fifty dollar minimum. Right. So I have to bring more than three tailpieces. Oh, I see some gold plated knives in my future. Gold plated, twenty dollars. <laughs> instead of 15. I mean it's pretty fucking good so yeah, my friend of ours uh, guitar maker took a part to get gold plated and they charged him $300 at no the same place ours. no oh wow yeah 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 that um, sounds about right so there was a conf- there was some confusion with with these people like getting I think they just didn't know how legitimate we were like mm. not, I'm not saying we're super legitimate. I'm saying they didn't know if, <laughs> if we were legitimate at all. Like we just, I was just a guy who walked in off the street and said, "Can you do this?" Right. Um, so I came, went back a few times. You know, brought more, more stuff, more stuff. Built a bit of a relationship, and then they gave me this great price. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty happy. Nice. It's cheaper than we were paying up the street. <laughs> right. Yeah, it sounds like it's cheaper than you were paying for nickel, and you're getting gold. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. If, that's kind of their their bread and butter is is small, like it seems every time I go in they're doing jewelry, which is so actually a really good sign because if a place can handle jewelry without scratching it, then you know hopefully they can handle parts like ours. Kind of, aesthetic. I guess though jewelry's small and it's not like obviously it's you know it's not pre- like these aren't precious metal jewelry yeah. parts. They're you know whatever. Than plated yeah. with silver lead. or gold, yeah, lead. Yeah. Um, so you know, a small part, a really small part that's intricate and all like three yeah. D. It's not you could you wouldn't see some handling issues you know, if they scratched it. But like this is a big. It's not big, but it's there's big flat surfaces on it. 
Yes, it's very it obvious. Could, if you scratched it, it would be really obvious. But they, they've been really good. It's just two people, and they're, they're super nice, and, and they seem to oh, care. That's good. Are they doing the polishing and stuff for you, too? Or are you no, they don't, they don't polish. Right. That's fine. So the place we used to take it to would always touch it to the buffer, and it yeah, was always hated. <laughs> yeah, hated that. Yeah. And I'd always yeah. say, hey, this one's really good. Like, you don't have to touch it to the buffer. And she'd be like, well, he does it anyways. You know, he wants to, like, abrade it or something for mm. plating. I don't know. And you're like, please stop. Yeah, yeah. Right. So cool. I'll have to talk to them. I mean, I don't know whether they do electroless nickel. That's something I've been interested in a long time. No, I don't. It's all time. baths. Pretty sure. Well, no, yeah, yeah. But electroless nickel is, is still a bath. It's just uh, what they call like an auto catalytic oh, process. Okay. So it doesn't require electricity. Um, oh, it's I just always like pictured a- it being like how they, um, they coat like end mills. Oh, like a PVD coating like um yeah like sputtering like with my dlc right. no ele- electrolysis just means that it's still chemical process but it means that the bath is like primed to start doing the coating on its own it doesn't need like an electrical um current or anything to so does the part need to be connected to a current though no, no. Uh, okay so i when i brought these parts i was like i brought the they were these little feet attached to threaded rods Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this is the area that, you know, um, isn't going to be seen. So you could, you know, right. a- a fasten it here. And she was like, uh, don't worry. Like you won't, you won't see where we've, we're hanging it from. You won't see that mm. in the, the finish. Right. So is that like. Could be. Yeah. I, I think that they do have electrolysis gold. Um, they definitely have electrolysis nickel. Electrolysis nickel is actually way nicer you know, in a lot of ways than uh, electroplated nickel because it's significantly harder. It's significantly more wear resistant. Hmm. Um, okay. Well, yeah. Le- you should, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll send you their info. We should move on because yeah, I feel dope. like we fucking always go off on a tangent about That's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I told it, Aaron, though, just for everybody listening, if they seem like, think I'm in a rush, it's because I told them we had uh, to make it a tight 45 oh we yeah, have five minutes of um mic technical th- issues issues <laughs> yeah we should just rename the podcast technical issues the, the yeah. cnc podcast there you go. yeah i mean i'm yeah i'm excited to see where everything goes i you know i was talking to one of the people at the day job today and i was just saying that like the manufacturing work that I've been doing over the last couple of years is like 95% hard work and 5% problem solving. Um, and I don't think that's really good for my brain. <laughs> you really? You would, that's how you would categorize it. Yeah. Maybe 10% problem solving, you know, cause most of the time it's like, Oh, I know that fixture has a problem, but I've got to just live with it because right. I've got to get shit done. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You um, do some small workaround that's actually just labor. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I think that having the day job be, you know, I mean, I mean the day job is like all problem solving basically because it's mm-hmm. you know software engineering. So I, I think that's going to help me like get more energy back, get me onto more of a role, you know, um, of of just being productive. I think that when you're productive, it begets more productivity. You know. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I had a really productive day slash worked late evening last night and it energized me for today i was like yeah. oh, i got so much done yesterday i can't wait to go into the shop and go. continue on this role of productivity 
Whereas like if you have a shit day where it's slow and you don't do a lot. Yeah, you don't want to go the next day. You're like, Ugh. Yeah. 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 Another day of slogging. So yeah, no, I totally, totally agree. And to try and enhance that, I'm also, I have started uh, physically punishing my body as often as possible with uh, uh You started wearing a hair, hair shirt. Yeah, there you um, go. Yeah. Self-flagellation. Yeah. No, I, I started, I mean, I just, I feel old at the moment, you know, which isn't a great place to be. So I, I've started working out again. Um, I started like running to the shop every second day. Oh, okay. Um, so it's like a 2K run, you know, which for me, I've never run a damn day in my life so that that hurts <laughs> i ran yesterday i i'm still in pain today but uh, you've chased you, know. you chase people often though oh yeah right down the street litterers and <laughs> that's actually a true story we can tell that on another episode um i actually saw i did think of you though recently because kath and i saw this guy just open his window and throw a coffee lid out onto oh, the street I, that. I, I was like that. If I was Aaron, I'd be like, boy, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Next alluding to I, I, there was a, I was walking home and this guy was like kind of walking near my house and he's like eating a yogurt out of the container. And then he like looks in the container, you know, oh, it's empty. And he just tosses it on the ground and just without even thinking about it, it's just like, oi, pick that up. <laughs> and and this dude just like he looked like a deer in the headlights he was like oh i'm sorry and he he picked it up and he carried this yogurt container like it was a little baby bird and he just <laughs> kept going down the street it was you know i i don't know why people do that but it was i just, just assume you know i shouldn't fuck with these people because they obviously are unhinged if they're gonna do something insane like that but, but this this guy just seemed like he just was he was just in another universe and then I don't yeah. know. I mean people like there's litter everywhere, so there's obviously litterers out there. Yeah, I guess. So. I don't know. It was very funny. Um okay. Yeah. Uh, what were we talking about? Now I can't remember. Well, I mean, we're kind of coming to the, the end of our episode, so maybe we can just uh leave it with uh you know, if you see a litter bug, you call them out. Yeah, maybe, don't, maybe. Assess don't get, the situation. Just yeah, don't get, get like shot over, over this yogurt <laughs> yeah. container. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I think we all we all need to do a little bit of our part on you know calling out bad behavior when we see it. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it is hard to do it in a way that doesn't end up with someone in hospital though. So be um, nice. Yes. Oh, uh, before though, I I, mm-hmm. I was thinking about potentially a new segment. I mean, we're not very Ooh. good with segments, but um, I things you fucked up. And how you fixed it. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. I, I you like clearly have something in ammunition. mind. There's lots yeah, of... Yeah. Well, recently I, I gilded a guitar. So speaking of gold. You gilded a guitar? I gilded a guitar. Uh, like with, with like gold foil? With um, uh, gold leaf. Right. Okay, that sounds harrowing. It was... I mean, it looked fucking awesome. It worked I bet. really good. Actually, it took me two tor- tries, so um, I did a part mm-hmm. and didn't like it. But basically, you just you apply. Um, it's called what the fuck's it called? S- sizing. It's like mm-hmm. glue, like a contact cement almost. Right. Um, you apply that, and then you let it dr- almost dry. It's still tacky, and then you apply your gold leaf, which is I don't know how many thou thin. Like it's very thin. Yeah. It'll just it'll just flake apart apply that and then you've got 
you know, the gold sheets are like three by three squares. Yeah. So you can, you, there's a different, a couple of different styles of how you can apply it um, to, to, to get a certain effect, but covered the whole top of the guitar, looked awesome. This guy wanted it to have a light relic, which is when we sort of naturally, where we, where we force check the finish. So it's got all these cracks in the lacquer, kind of like a crackle finish. And the gold leaf did not like that. It cracked oh, no. really weird, like not mm. normal. And then, and then just peeled off the whole guitar. I put it on the rack. It was on a Friday. I did it. Came back on Monday and the, the floor under like the shelf that the guitar sits on, the rack sits on was covered right. in gold. And it just all flaked right off the guitar. Gold oh, leaf's not cool. cheap. No, it's, it's 24 not. karat gold. It costs. So, how much is a three by three sheet? Well, you buy it in a pack of 25. It's about a hundred bucks us okay so that that'd be enough for a top of a guitar there right no took really one and a half packs oh wow plus okay. the glue anyways right. and so the, i'm on round now, three trying gonna to, to try gilding this guitar so our <laughs> solution is to not do the nat the checking yeah we told right. the, the guy he can't have it checked um and instead of using water-based sizing, the glue, mm. I'm using oil-based sizing, which I think um, the water-based might just not have been like sticky enough. I think it's more for paper, maybe, mm. because the the gold, the oil might just be more like more sticky. better, more better. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. looking for. More industrial. I think is right. the word I was You'll about. probably have to let it dry for a more extended period of time before shooting the clear over it there, right? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Because, yeah, because if it has to gas off. Yeah. But the the water base, it wasn't necessarily the lacquer that went over it. It was the, the fact that we put it in a freezer and then <laughs> checked it. And then that exposed right. it to air. And I think that that air Kinda getting in there into those cracks... Anyways, mm -hmm. what did you fuck up? What have I fucked up? Uh, well, I think that issue I was telling you about with the, the blades distorting, um, you know, in the previous batch, that wasn't really an issue. I had like one or two where I was like, yeah, okay, this isn't right. And the rest of them were fine. This batch, I'm not so sure. This batch that I just got back from DLC that are like basically finished. I think like the very first one I went to shop in the other day is it's scrap. Really? Yeah. So I'm, I've kind of been hesitant to like get into the sharpening the rest of them. Cause I don't know what the scrap rate's going to be, but. Oh, so you think it, it um, you didn't catch these I errors? I didn't catch it. No. Fuck. Yeah. As I said, I think it, it was something that was like previously not as bad. I'm not quite sure what I've changed. You know, maybe I'm like, it could be something as simple as like, I changed the battery on my impact driver and now mm. it's like, you know, tightening down a bit more. Right. Um, yeah, so I don't know. My best guess is I'm probably going to get at least a 20 or 30% scrap rate on that batch that I just got back from DLC. How so, many pieces? Uh, 32. Okay. And um, do you have yeah. orders for all those? Oh, yeah. To fulfill? Fuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yes. And I mean, the, the solution to that is just like, okay, root cause analysis. I have to like make sure that I really do work out what the problem is. And then... I mean, ultimately, the solution is I need to get rid of this type of fixturing. It's just, right. it's more complicated. It's not space efficient on the machine. 
Um, you know, and it, 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 it doesn't produce the level of finish that I really want because I'm just not able to constrain the blades well enough during machining. Hmm. So yeah, the short term answer is I think I need to tighten the blades down less. So I've switched over to tightening pit bulls by hand and then the like root cause analysis is uh, my fixturing sucks and I should redo it. Right. Well, so, so scrap it, scrap the whole th- process. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, I'm going to keep that fixture plate intact, right? And because it's all, you know, mounted on dowel pins and stuff, I can take it off and remount it within like 10 minutes. You know, it's not not a big deal. So I will develop a new process that will hopefully be better. And hopefully the day job lets me have, you know, a couple of months hiatus where I can just worry about process improvements without having to worry about producing to pay the rent. Mm-hmm. Um, but if ultimately, if it doesn't work, I can always just go back to the old fixtures, you know, which work. Right. But suck. You just need to present, you just need to, um, produce 20 to 30% more knives in the so next that, month. So that your something. scrap rate. Yeah. 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 It's, which is not, not great, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I feel like and inspect them better before sending them to DLC. Yes. Yeah. And I think basically what I'm going to start doing is take them straight off the CNC and then kind of partially sharpen them. So like not all the way to a, a sharp edge, just like you know 90% of the way. And that'll let me see immediately whether there's an issue. Um, that That's the like short term kind of inspection process because it's, it's very obvious when there's, when there's a big problem. And then I do need to build some sort of a fixture for measuring the edge thickness you know at like multiple points along the blade um yeah i don't know it's kind of amazing our eyes are so good you can get a really long way with being just by eyeballing it oh yeah you know you measure it once one point and then you can like look along the edge and be like oh yeah that that looks parallel you know and and even and you'll be right like it's it's pretty crazy how good our brains are at seeing that kind of stuff. Oh but yeah, we um when we check the straightness of the fretboard mm-hmm. with us with a like start straight edge, and we we candle it so we can see the the light gap between the fretboard yep. and the straight edge. I'll see a gap and be like, oh, I need to chase that down, and then check with my one thou feeler gauge and can't get it in. Yeah, yeah, you can like see a tenth of gap or something. Yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty nuts. But yeah, I think I need to like quantify that consistency a bit more. So I was thinking about maybe building a jig that has like multiple dial gauges um, that would kind of you push the edge into it, um, and then it would measure the thickness of the edge at you know four or five points along the along the blade. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, honestly, as you know, manufacturing is all about fucking up and then fixing it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's that's why I was surprised you said to do more problem solving because I feel like every day we're doing little, we're solving little things. For sure, the, the, I just the weeks you don't do any problem solving are like magic. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a pretty stable process, right? And I've been developing. You know, I've been men- making one product for many years at this point. Yeah, true. So I kind of know where most of the risk points are. Um, 
so yeah, most of the effort is just like straight up manual labor and like yeah. you know, making myself do production. So in a way, even if the new fixtures don't work out, I will welcome that process because it's problem solving, you know, it's, it's process development. Right. Yeah. And from there, yeah. it's just, um, uh, increasing pr productivity through, uh, ingenuity. Yeah. Yeah. Robots. Exactly. Well, one thing I'm thinking about doing is vacuum fixturing and I know you're doing vacuum fixturing too. So I was looking at yes. vacuum pumps and I found a source for really good, inexpensive little vacuum pumps, um, okay. which is, there's a company called Gast, Gast, G-A-S-T. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you mentioned them. Um, but they, so I use their rotor, one of their rotary vein pumps as a air blast pump for um, hard milling. But they make another type of pump called a diaphragm pump that works both as vacuum and as a compressor. Um, it's oilless continuous duty no maintenance except for like if something breaks and then you just buy a maintenance kit for it and you can get them on ebay for like 140 bucks oh wow what's yeah. it called gas diaphragm uh, yeah gas diaphragm pump um so i'm gonna buy a couple before this episode goes live so that people don't just buy out all the ones that i'm planning to buy but the little ones i was looking at you know so i i if i'm gonna do no on ebay so they're they're used, I guess, but like I just bought them all. <laughs> oh, damn it! Um, yeah, so, so I was looking. How doing, much is a new one? I don't know. I think like eight or nine hundred bucks. Okay, which isn't horrible. Um, but I'm looking at doing vacuum fixturing for op one on on this new process, and you know I could use a, vet, a venturi vacuum generator that uses like compressed air to make the vacuum, but it uses so much power. You know, you run your yeah, like 10 yeah. horsepower compressor at like, uh, you know, 20% duty cycle. No, it doesn't <laughs> like, make sense. Yeah. Whereas these little tiny vacuum pumps are one eighth of a horsepower, you know? Right. Yeah. The one I'm looking at online is um, 1.1 CFM. Yeah. And it's. And the, it'll do 60 PSI at 1.1 CFM when working as a compressor. Which is, that's that's pretty good. That's a lot better than the little vacuum pump that I have. So as yeah. an air blast as well, um, you know, rather than using compressed air from your air compressor, you could use one of these little guys. Um, and that would save a lot of energy. That's why, that's why I use the rotary vane on my machine. So. Well, I've been pretty impressed with, um, with our little veneer pump, like mm. from veneersupplies.com. I might buy another. Next, next plugging, plugging in there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll have to check that out too. Um, they are. Let's see, they're like five hundred bucks. Yeah, I mean, so, vacuum pumps are expensive. They do tend to be, don't they? Yeah. Or if they're not expensive, then they're expensive in the wrong long run. Like I have a friend who went through like three cheap ones in a year. Oh, yeah. You know, they're like 180 bucks each or 200 bucks each, and he was just burning through them. Yeah. Yeah. These ones aren't that cheap, but um, let's see. They're five CFM. Right. Which is a lot. For, for vacuum fixturing, if all of your parts are like non porous, then you need like, you know, 0.2 CFM or something. Like, yeah. you really don't need much. Um, well, yeah, we have porous parts. So, $376. Yeah. Oh, that's very reasonable. US. Right. 
Yeah, so I'm going to buy, I think I'm going to buy like three or four of these little diaphragm pumps because I'll be able to use them as vacuum pumps. I'll be able to use them as air blast pumps. Um, and they're small enough in terms of rating that like right now to run my rotary vein compressor um, on my Fidal, I have to use like a relay box because the Fidal has like an outlet on the back that'll power something up to, you know, a fifth of a horsepower or something like that. But my current um, air blast pump is like one third of a horsepower. It's uh, probably more than I need. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. 60 PI size. Pretty good. I don't know what ours, our air blast in the Haas spits out, but yeah, I mean, really you don't need 60 PSI. You only need like, you know, 30 PSI and, and some airflow, right. you know? Yeah. Um, Cause I'm pretty sure my rotary vein pump that I use on my Fidal can't even make 20 PSI. And oh, yeah? it clears chips with no problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would be interested to know what the the Haas one runs at. Um, but that's cool. Yeah, like vacuum is fucking sick. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's vacuum work holding just makes like, when I think about it compared to what I'm doing now, I'm like, ooh, just seems so nice for what you're doing. I mean, it does make some sense because they're sort of flat. Yeah, and flat and smooth, and yeah, yeah. I might end up with um, kind of like a little fence system around them just to stop them from sliding. Yeah, um, yeah that's smart. We have yeah. a mix of like some of our parts don't have anything that's keeping the lateral force from the, the tool pressure. Right. Um, like from from shifting the part. And, uh, you know, you just got to dial, dial in the, the feeds and speeds, and the, yeah. the depth of cut and stuff. But um, some of the parts we've got pins, and then you're you're golden. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking, like, because the, my parts, the, my raw stock is going to vary in width up to you know an eighth of an inch, which is a little bit painful. Mm. So I'm literally thinking about having like bolts with kind of like a slotted washer, um, so you can just like you know undo the bolt push, you know, put the material in, turn the vacuum on, get it into place, and then slide the washer up against the side of the part and do the bolt down. And then, you know, it just has to stop it from moving sideways. Right. Yeah, um, that's all it takes. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Cool. Okay, well. I got to let you go. Yeah, we were re- rejuvenated that conversation. Absolutely. 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 Well, it was lovely speaking to you. Lovely speaking with everyone, as always. Uh, and this this was our tight forty five minute episode. Nice we will see you. On <laughs> that, yeah. Well, oh, whatever. We'll see you again in two weeks for more CNC talk. All righty. Bye, everyone. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.